Hi, everybody. Welcome to MoCo's Most Famous. I'm Joe Yasharoff, Director of Content and Operations at MyMC Media. We are coming to you from our podcast studio in Rockville. Joining us today, a man that I can say, honestly, I've been listening to you, Johnny, my entire life, and I'm not trying to make you feel old, but I have been listening to you my entire life. We're talking about none other than Johnny Holiday, the voice of Maryland basketball and football. Johnny's joining us by phone from Jacksonville, Florida, where the Maryland Terps are getting ready for their second-round matchup with LSU. Johnny, how are you today, sir? I'm doing good, Joe. How are you? And first of all, thanks for having me on with you. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. It's it's my honor and my pleasure, our, our honor, our pleasure. And I know you are, you are getting ready to uh, eat a delicious meal in Jacksonville, and uh, I'm hungry just thinking about it. But I want to ask you about last night's game. You must be everyone uh, related to or involved with Maryland basketball. <laughs> Basketball, I think, took a huge. It was a huge sigh of relief, wasn't it, for that game? Well, you know, I guess in a way it was for the Maryland fans, Joe. I mm-hmm. I think they put too much into the fact that they hadn't won an NCAA game in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. From my perspective, I think it's important that they get to the NCAA tournament. Something they've done now. I think the research I did showed maybe twenty of the last 25 years they've gone to the NCAA tournament and just to get there is is a big big achievement and accomplishment for a young team like this i uh, i don't think it was a monkey off the back of the players or coach mark turgeon like i've been reading some of the articles about the game that finally they get a win finally this finally that Maryland should have won the game. They were favored to win the game. They play in the Big Ten, and uh, Belmont's out of the Ohio Valley Conference, a good conference, but they didn't play the competition that Maryland played. And from my perspective, the, the Terrapins should have won that game, and they did against a very good Belmont team. And they did it without Anthony Cowling having one of his best games. He had one of his poor games scoring-wise. Mm-hmm. And if you can if you can win a game like that without him, when Anthony goes out and scores, what, eight points in that game? Mm-hmm. Nine points and has six assists in the game and shoots three for 18 and one for 10 from three. If you can still win a game with those kind of numbers by the guy who's your leading scorer, leading free throw shooter, and leads almost every category, that says something for this team. So that's one win. Everybody's happy it's over. Now you're going to have an even tougher opponent coming up tomorrow when they play LSU. Right. You mentioned Cowan. Uh, he did not have a good shooting day, but you mentioned the assists. He did not turn the ball over, which is really, really important, and he played some defense. So there are other ways to help a team besides shooting and scoring. And you're right, Joe. The one thing about Anthony, he's, I think people overlook what a good defender he is. He plays good, hard-nosed, solid defense, and that's a major, major feather in his cap when he can do that when he's not scoring. I mean, his shooting numbers were atrocious. He's the first guy to mm-hmm. admit that. When in the locker room yesterday, I, I kind of patted him on the shoulder, and I said, you had a lot of shots going in and out. And he basically said, in no uncertain terms, boy, I stunk. <laughs> I couldn't buy a basket. I said, yeah, but you played good defense. Mm-hmm. And you could come back tomorrow. You could score 20 points, 25 points tomorrow. Yeah, he said, that's what I plan to do. You just can't carry it over when you're having a bad shooting day. He kept shooting, but he had a big three. Uh, late in that second half, and that was a big, big shot he nailed. The only three-pointer when he went one for ten. And the thing that really surprised me, he's the best free-throw shooter in this team mm-hmm. at 85%, 82%. And he went two for five at the line yesterday. So that will improve as well. But that was a great win and happy for Mark Turgeon. Now they got 23 on the year, and uh, we'll see how far they can go. Now if they can win tomorrow, they'll get the winner of that game between Minnesota and Michigan State back in Washington next week in the Sweet 16. 
And I know, you know, a coach and players will always say one game at a time, but, you know, Maryland fans, Maryland alum, basketball fans, you cannot help but think about what if Duke versus Maryland at D.C. So that's got to be on, you know, the coach would never say it, players would never say it, but perhaps your mind down the road, Duke, Maryland, and D.C., that would be kind of nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, be kind of nice. Yeah, be kind of fitting, uh, because that was the that was the rivalry in the ACC for all those years. And right now, I don't think Maryland has any rivalry in the Big Ten. Right. They tried to make it with Penn State, that didn't work. They tried to make it with Rutgers. Yeah, that's a big rivalry, Maryland Rutgers. So it would be huge. I mean, I don't think they'd have any trouble selling tickets for that game. No, sir. And probably the scalpers would go crazy in a game like that. Yes, they would. They're already, I think, working on it. So you, yeah. you, you talked about Cowan and, and his subpar play yesterday. It, it kind of reminded me 17 years ago when the Terps uh, went on their magical run, won, won the national championship. Steve Blake did not play well in the last two or three games. So it is possible when you know point guards are so important to a team, but it is possible when, when the point guard is not playing well for the other players to pick up, as they say in basketball, and Bruno and Jalen and others, obviously, but they did a great job of, of picking up Cowan. Yeah, Bruno, Fernando, and Jalen Smith combined, they went 13 for 21 from the field. And they went 6 for 8 at the free throw line. They combined for 25 rebounds. Amazing. And 4 assists. Each guy only had one turnover. Hmm. And that's an area I think maybe Maryland fans aren't recognizing today. They only turned the ball over five times. And that's a season low. But you mentioned about Steve Blake. And how about Steve Blake, the only guy... He spent, oh, what, 15 years in the NBA. Mm-hmm. He was the last guy standing for that national championship team yep. when everybody thought it was going to be Juan Dixon, who'd have the great career in the NBA. No, it was Steve Blake. Mm-hmm. So uh, just goes to show you, you may not you know, have a great NCAA tournament game here or there, but you can still play in the NBA, and boy, he did. Absolutely, and uh, I will never forget, and no, no Terp fan will ever forget your call when, when the Terps clinch it, and the kids have done it. How often are you reminded of that call? at Xfinity Center about five times a game <laughs> when, when they play that thing over and over again. Yeah. That's not, a, so that's not a bad thing, though, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so funny. People say, well, did you have that rehearsed? Did you have that written down? Did you know what you were going to say? No. I had no idea. And the thing that got me was looking across the way and watching Juan Dixon and watching Chris Wilcox put their arms around Gary as the final seconds had ticked off, and they're walking on the sidelines to congratulate Indiana. And I think Wilcox is running his hands through Gary's hair, and Dixon's punching him in the shoulder. And I think the emotion of the moment really got to me at that particular time. And all I could say was, you know, the kids have done it. And I don't know why I I had that come up. I was on the verge (laughs) of breaking down with tears. I think I was so happy, and so was everybody else. A great moment and a, a great call that we'll never forget. So March Madness is, you know, mo- a lot of p- sports fans' favorite event. There's really nothing like it. Where do you put that? Uh, you've done so many sports. You've been around. You've done Olympics. You've done so many things. Where does that rank for you personally, March Madness, as a sports fan? I think fans are different. Well, I think when you're broadcasting and working and you're doing interviews mm-hmm. and you're taping things for this, taping things for that, you kind of get have a different perspective of it. The thing I like about March Madness is the variety of cities you can go to that you've never been to before. That's one thing. And the upsets of the underdogs that everybody in the arena pulls for. Everybody in the arena yesterday was pulling for Belmont to beat Maryland. Mm -hmm. And I can understand that because of what they did on Tuesday when they beat Temple in a tremendous game. 
the fact they're from a lesser-known conference, the Ohio Valley Conference. And coming up tomorrow when, when Wofford plays Kentucky, the whole building will be for Wofford, save for those rambunctious, raucous Kentucky fans that travel as well as anybody as I've seen. That's what's interesting. At the shoot-around the other day, Maryland probably had maybe 35, 40 people in the stands watching Maryland work out. When Kentucky comes in, the band comes in first. And this is for their shoot-around, Joe. Mm -hmm. The band comes in followed by about 1,000 people in this arena to watch a practice, watch them just shoot around. Incredible. And I think over the years, that's what's impressed me the most about so many schools, the way that they travel, how nice the fans are, and how the little guys are always the fan favorites when it comes to trying to knock off the big boys for the big conferences. And I see we've, we've also seen some upsets already in the first couple of days of the NCAA tournament. So I think that's the memories I have the most. Mm -hmm. Certainly the national championship game for me was the best. I think you always think back to all the days that Lefty was coaching. He took his teams to eight NCAA tournaments. Even Bob Wade, when Bob was there for a couple of years, he had an NCAA tournament team as well. And Bud Milliken, before I started, way before I started, had one appearance. And then Gary Williams with 14. That's incredible. 11 consecutive trips to the NCAA for Gary Williams' teams. There's a certain aura about it, and I wish Maryland had more fans at the NCAA tournament. Right. But I think as you continue to win and as you continue to move on in the tournament, then you find more and more people showing up. And next week could be raucous, as we've talked about, but I know one game at a time. All right, much much more coming up with the voice of Maryland Sports, Johnny Holiday. Let's take a quick timeout. Johnny, I promise it'll be shorter than a TV timeout in a basketball game. This is MoCo's Most Famous, brought to you by My MC Media. MCM, your community media center, is making Montgomery County a great place to live through programs like 21 This Week. Montgomery County's hardest-hitting political talk show keeps you up to date with the local political scene. Montgomery Community Media. Our middle name is Community. Welcome back. We are talking to legendary sports broadcaster Johnny Holiday, the longtime voice of Maryland basketball and football on MoCo's Most Famous, brought to you by My MC Media. All right, Johnny, joining us from Jacksonville, Florida, where the Terps are in the NCAA tournament. We're talking about uh, just the, the beauty and the magic of, of March Madness, and you've had the best seat in the house. I mean, literally, you're front row. Do you pinch your? I mean, you're used to it now, but do you still kind of pinch yourself and say, wow, I am the envy of a lot of people. Not only am I at all these games, but I literally literally am in the front row for all these games. Yeah, you never you never take it for granted, Joe. It, it, the business that I'm in, and you've been in for many, many years, mm -hmm. too, it, it's a privilege to be doing what I'm doing, number one. It's an honor to be able to represent the University of Maryland in football games and basketball games and to deal with the coaches, deal with the players, deal with the fans. And I never lose sight of that, and I'm always eternally grateful for being able to broadcast the way that I have for all these years and to have, as you mentioned, the best seat in the house. And you're traveling with the team. You're on the team plane. You're on the team bus. You're in the team hotel. Everything is with the football team or the basketball team, and you just can't beat that. And I'm always eternally grateful for that opportunity. And now you have double duty. It was announced a few days ago, I believe, that you're working now with NBC4. What kind of things will you be doing for them? 
Just special things, whatever they have in mind, interviews and so forth like that. Interview features, we're doing stuff from the NCAA tournament on Channel 4 every day and every night. And so I will be with the Terrapins here in the NCAA for not only the Maryland Network on radio, but then Channel 4 on television. So it'll be feature pieces that I always love to do, interviews and different angles of stories. And they are terrific, terrific people to be with on Channel 4. I, I was blown away by how nice they are and how welcome they made me feel after 12 years doing the Nats pre- and post-game show with Ray Knight. And that came to an end as they start this season. So I'm looking forward to it. And they're delightful people to work with, first-class professionals, and I'll do whatever they want me to do to help them out. That's great. Well, we're going to miss you definitely on Nats games, but uh, we get to see you uh, on NBC4 in addition to listening to you doing Maryland basketball and football. So now you, you've lived in Montgomery County for a long time. You've been in D.C. for 50 years now, I believe. What do you like about Montgomery County? Why Montgomery County for Johnny Holiday? I've been in the same house, Joe, for almost 50 years. When I came to Washington in 1969, I lived with Rick Barry and Larry Brown, the (laughs) Hall of Fame coach and the Hall of Fame broadcaster. Yeah, <clears throat> and we that. lived over at the Willoughby. Yeah, we lived in the Willoughby and Chevy Chase, <clears throat> and they were playing for the Washington Capitals of the ABA at that time. Mm-hmm. And so we, when my wife and kids came from California, we looked around for a house, and we found this house in Kensington. And we've been in the same house for all these years, never moved. All three of the girls grew up in the house. And that's just my wife and I, Mary Claire and I. And the thing I love about Kensington is it's such a delightful little small town atmosphere. Mm-hmm. You've got small little restaurants. You've got the train station. You've got the post office. You've got a service station that's been there since 1941, <laughs> I believe. And you can antique row and just it's just got that hometown family atmosphere. And they got the Kensington Labor Day Parade. It, it reminds you of, of growing up in Mayberry. I was just bit. thinking about Gomer so you, when you were talking about the gas station. Literally, yeah, I was thinking about exactly. that when you said that. <laughs> and you know everybody. Everybody knows you. You see the same people in Safeway when you go to Safeway. And you see the same people at the post office and at the flower shop. And it's just a great, great place to be. And accessibility-wise, close to the Beltway, and we're in the shadows of the beautiful Mormon Temple. We can see that gigantic sphere from our kitchen window. And uh, no need to leave Kensington. I love it there. That's great. And, you know, you say small town, but and you also kind of touched on you're close to D.C., you're close to other places, but you still have this little small town that's close to bigger, bigger things if you want the bigger things. Yeah, that's exactly right. You can, you can, I mean, downtown is about, what, 25 minutes away, that's mm-hmm. all. But there's, no, there's really no need to go downtown because you've got everything right there. We're one block off of uh, Beach Drive and Kensington Parkway. And uh, it's funny, when we moved in our neighborhood, we were the youngest couple by many, many years. Now we're the oldest couple <laughs> by many, many years. And a lot of the homes have been torn down and they've rebuilt them or added additions. And it's just a wonderful place to live and a wonderful place to raise a family. That's great. All right, we're going to do a little lightning round. Are you ready for the lightning round, Johnny? Go right ahead. Fire away. All right, so I'm I'm sure you've had a chance. I don't know if you've seen him in person, but I'm sure you've had a chance to see Zion Williamson on TV. What are your thoughts about Zion? He's going to make a lot of money, a lot of money quickly. I don't, I don't think there's anybody in college basketball as dominant as this guy is. He's, he's incredible. That's why I wish Maryland was still able to play Duke. That'd be a heck of a matchup with Bruno Fernando and Zion Williamson. Next Sunday would be, would be nice for that to happen. We'll, we'll see one game at a time. Now, Ja Morant from uh, Murray State, people who haven't seen him got a chance to see him yesterday. He is, he is phenomenal in his own right. Have you had a chance to see him, and what do you think about him? 
You know, I have not, Joe. I okay. hear all about him. I know I could score at will, but I haven't seen him play in snow. No, not at all. Okay, one and done's your thought. Do you like it? Do you hate it? I hate it. I'm I think it I think it shortchanges the the guys in their growing and their development. I think they should stay at least a couple of years and you know, colleges are investing a lot in these guys. They should be giving back to the school that has reached out to them to give them an education. And I think I'd rather see them stay at least two years before they go to the NBA. I'm with you. What about this trend the last few years about referees looking at the monitor and watching TV, it seems like, for minutes, and it just uh, breaks up the game, so you obviously know my opinion. What What are your thoughts about that? I dislike it. I don't think it's necessary. It lengthens the game. You're trying to speed up the game. It takes forever. The final couple of minutes, they're always going over to re- check a replay and discuss things at midcourt. Then they go to the monitor back and forth. All those years before they put this thing into place, there was no problem. I don't think you can take away. Sure, you're going to miss some calls. Everybody misses calls. And in the days when Lefty was coaching and Gary was coaching and when Roy Williams started and Mike Krzyzewski started, all these guys, Sure, the officials miss calls, but that's part of the game. Mm -hmm. But they make more right calls than they do bad calls. I would say get rid of the thing and get back to the way it was before. I'm with you. All right, sir, it's easy to pick apart things. That's what we do today with social media. Tell me what is better about today's college basketball game than it ever has been. Athleticism, the talent that they have is incredible. And I, I get that feeling when I talk to officials that work these games. And some of the guys I talk to, I say, how do you keep up with it? How do you manage? And each one of the officials that I talk to in basketball, they are just blown away by the athleticism, by the tremendous talent, the speed, the toughness, the quickness, and how the game has evolved over all these years to such a tremendously high skill game. Mm-hmm. that if you can't keep up with it, and still little guys are able to perform, and little guys are able to score and, you know, get some headlines. And looking at Anthony Coward, he's, he's listed at 5'11", or 6 feet. He's not 6 feet tall, no way. Right. But he sure as heck can play at the college level. Then you look at a guy like Zion Williamson, and you say, oh, my goodness, where did this guy come from? So the, I think that's the thing that impressed me the most, is how good the teams are, how good the coaches are, how great the scouting reports are. Mm-hmm for game after game after game. Who's your favorite, either current or past announcer? Who do you love listening and watching? Oh, my goodness. I would say probably locally my favorite would be Steve Buckhans. I love Steve. I love the way he does things, and I hope he's with that organization for a long, long time. He deserves to be, Mm -hmm. and he's one of the best. And I think probably in college basketball, maybe Gary Hahn down at North Carolina State's one of my favorites. And Bob Rathman, who does the Atlanta Hawks, many years in the ACC. He's one of my favorites, too. Goofiest sport you've ever covered? Goofiest sport I've ever covered. Probably not the goofiest, but the most challenging (laughs) was women's gymnastics. Ah. For television. Okay. For the old home team sports. That would be probably the most unusual because I knew nothing about women's gymnastics. And that was tough. And then women's figure skating at the Olympics. I knew nothing about that. And then hockey at the Olympics. I knew nothing about that. <laughs> Those are difficult things to report on when you're really not up to date with a sport. But I did it and I loved it. It's kind of like me with podcasting. I don't know anything about it, but I'm doing it. You know, you just ask questions and you have great guests like you and, and you know, let let the guests talk and, and I'll shut up, right? And you, you, may, you just hope the guests can talk and talk and talk, which means you have to talk less. 
All right, so I know you have to go. Next time we talk, which I hope there's a next time, I want to get into your entire career. You were a top 40 DJ, a successful actor, beyond being a broadcaster. You've had such a varied career, wonderful career, and I hope it goes on for another 20, 30 years, Johnny. Really thank you for joining us today on Moco's Most Famous. Joe, thank you very much. It's my pleasure. I don't know if I can go another 20 or 30 years, maybe another five. All right, we'll take I five. Another, I think another five would be just fine with me. It'd be extremely gratifying to my wife. I'll guarantee you that. <laughs> we will take five more years. Whatever you want to give us, we will yes. take, Johnny. Good luck to the Terps. Hope to see you, Johnny, in D.C. next week at the Eastern Regionals. And I want to thank our engineers, Mike Valentine, Carolyn Raskowskis, and thank you for listening to MoCo's Most Famous. Until next time.